Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Okay, so we are rolling into 2019. We've been having a lot of fun on the, on the broadcast. You guys have seemed to lighten up a little bit, I think. Yeah. You're not so... I don't know, stodgy or whatever. It was the holiday. We actually had a day of rest, <laughs> a real day of rest. Yeah, we'll, we'll be cranky in another couple of days. So just... <laughs> well, we've been talking about uh, that famous uh, – by the way, um, if you've not read this book, it's actually a pretty short book, uh, The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. I can't say I agree with everything in that no. book. When he gets to – Sovereignty. I think he falls off the wagon a little bit. Uh, but those first couple chapters in that book are some of the best writing in the 20th mm-hmm. century. I mean, mm-hmm. he just addresses the problem. And this book is like at least 50 years old, and it's so relevant for today. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I think it's older than 50. Yeah. 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 I was, was going to say, these guys are 50. I mean, uh, <laughs> well, and, and I'll also say... And this uh, book was old when they were born. <laughs> yeah, copyright 1961. <laughs> Tozer Tozer really a remarkable figure. Um, I Mm -hmm. I was about to say he was Mm -hmm. self-taught, but that isn't really quite true. Uh, You know, God taught him, and and I don't mean to over-idealize the man. He was just as human as as any other human author. But he, you know, he's not the product of a seminary education. Um, He basically encountered God as as a young man and and just read voraciously and taught himself and. Um, you know, it, it 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 comes with great power because it comes out of great personal experience. You know, his right. own experience of, yeah. of knowing God. Yeah, p- people would say that they would go to see Tozer in his study, and he would be laying on the floor praying. You yeah. know, he's just prostrate before God. You know, there yeah. was he he did have a a true relationship with him. You know, he wanted to know him. He wanted to, yeah. you know, in fact, is he's got another book called The Pursuit of God and um, and also a kind of a prequel to that, uh, man's, man's, uh, God's Pursuit of Man. Mm. And, you know, both are important. God pursues us, um, but we also need to, uh, you know, pursue him as yeah. the heart pants after the water brook, so does... Uh, my heart. My heart pant after you, oh yeah. God. So around the table again, um, we have Pastor Phil Moran from Christ Presbyterian Church. Hey, good morning. Good morning. And then Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen from Day Spring Reformed Church. Hey, good morning. And then Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale. Yep, good to be here. And I am Pastor Josh Bales from The Well Church. And we are talking about uh, these, this idea that low views of God destroy the gospel, which remember, brothers and sisters, that that word gospel means good news. Right. And so what this is saying is that low views of God destroy good news for you. This is what Tozer says, the man who comes to a right belief about God is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems, 
for he sees at once that these have to do with matters which at the most cannot concern him for very long. And then at the end, he says this, um, until man feels this mighty burden of his obligation to God, um, that the gospel can mean nothing to the man. Um, low views of God destroy the gospel for all who hold them. So let's talk about maybe, first of all, what is a low view of God? And then, and then if we get to it, hopefully, um, what are some of the effects, like practically in your everyday life, that will completely affect the way that you live? Well, I think that one of the things we have to recognize is that even in the evangelical church, even in a church where oftentimes the Bible is uh, preached or uh, uh, suggested that this is their final authority, people have a low view of God. And and a common evangelical idea of God is that he's just somewhere above Santa Claus, you know, so that there is no sense of – the holiness of God or the fear of God. We read in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There is no sense of his, of, of reverencing or being in awe of who he is. Um, so there's no um, respect of God. Uh, he's just of a familiar creature to them almost. And so this grandfatherly figure, uh, we don't have ever have to have a sense of of uh, sin and we don't even have to worry about God's justice. Yeah. Well, and and the irony of that Jonathan is that this uh grandfather God that we've cooked up on our own mm-hmm. uh not not only uh <laughs> this this false god that we've dreamed up for ourselves not only doesn't judge sin but doesn't really love sinners. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the other thing that's right. absent from that God is genuine love mm-hmm. and, and, a, and a passion for the human race that that that, w- that we would be saved. That the, the, that God would never send His Son into the world to save sinners, right? Uh, because that God is is sort of indifferent. We can go to Him if we want. We can ignore Him if we want. Um, the, the God of the, that's not the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, who, when we when we shortchange the God of the Bible, our our low views of God. Not only do we shortchange God's holiness, we shortchange God's love. Um, quite a while ago, probably over fifteen years ago, I read this book by Mark Buchanan called "Your God Is Too Safe." Um, I was part of a, a men's group that read books every Friday morning. We got together to talk about the books that we were going through chapter by chapter, and so we just tried to pick books from a whole array of of sources and some that we agreed with some that we maybe didn't agree with this was one i remember really challenged the group um because it was it was unsettling in some of what it was saying so i'm not endorsing the book in its entirety but i did like the working premise of the book and he writes here we have a, a desire to want a God other than God, a God who is nice, innocuous, pampering, who forgets not our confessed sins but our besetting ones. More and more we see God is safe. Now, in one sense, of course, it's true. God is safe. He is the one in whom we find refuge, our hiding place, a shield about us. He is the God of all comfort. He is the God of peace. But that's not what I mean when I say we've made God too safe. I mean that we want him to be comfortable rather than comforting. I mean that we want him to be peaceable to keep his peace, to be docile rather than to be peacemaking and peacegiving. And instead of being our hiding place, we would prefer that God be our ace in the hole. And if that doesn't work, we'd prefer to to hide from him. Mm-hmm. And there is a kind of self-perpetuating downward spiral in all of this. We often get stuck because we want a God who is too safe. And then we find in the soft logic of our half-baked theology that a too safe God has no power to get us unstuck. Mm. 
His arm is too short for that, and he doesn't care anyway. He validates our borderline dwelling. He's the household deity of lapsed disciples. And this is just what wow. Phil was yeah, talking about, yeah. mm-hmm. this idea but that... Can I flesh that out yeah, in, in yeah. a real-life example of sure. that, that affects church life every week for many churches? The Lord's Supper. If you look at the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11, what happened? People died yeah. and people got sick. Yeah. Um, and I know there's a context there that, yeah. that, is, that, that is more nuanced than we could probably pull out on this, conver- uh, on this conversation. But people were approaching God like, eh, yeah. whatever. And God said, and, and Paul specifically said, this is why some of you have died and many of you have gotten sick because you're approaching God like he's a piece of lint or a bottle cap or something. That's that's not in the yeah in that's the not title. in the scripture but, but, yeah. but, I'm, but, but <laughs> expositional freedom there. <laughs> what, what, what translation are you in again? Oh my, <laughs> young kids but, today. You know we catch we catch some of this uh, idea that God is not safe even from we were talking uh, the other day about you know some books that we read to our children but that Chronicles of Narnia. Um, where we're reminded we don't get far in our relationship with God unless we understand that he's also to be feared. And uh, in the Chronicles of Narnia, you have uh, this allegory by C.S. Lewis, and the author has two girls, Susan and Lucy, and they're getting ready to meet Aslan, the lion who represents Christ. And there's two talking animals there, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, who are preparing the children for that encounter. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, said Mrs. Beaver. And make no mistake, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Mm-hmm. It's Let, interesting to note that a safe God doesn't inspire worship. He doesn't inspire awe. Right. He doesn't inspire sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when we have a safe God, we go through the motions of of religion, yeah. but we miss out on the heart. We miss out on on the yeah. on everything that makes Christianity so glorious. Well, going back to the Lord's Supper, real quick. I mean, the Lord's Supper are elements that that prove that God is not safe towards sinners, is not safe towards sin. And that's why Mm -hmm. when Jesus instituted it, what we read in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul repeats it, where Jesus says, this is my body which is for you. Jesus had to die because God wasn't safe towards sin. Mm -hmm. I mean – he took our sins right. so that we could be in his presence. And, and the problem was they weren't recognizing the body and blood of our Lord. They weren't recognizing what he had accomplished on the cross. They weren't, uh, you know, all the, you know, the Lord's Supper is there for our assurance, the assurance of our forgiveness of sins, that he indeed did take on those. And so when we come to him in, in the Lord's Supper, we are receiving an assurance. We're, you know, it's... Um, I, I think it was Robert Bruce, who was a Scottish preacher, said we're not getting um, we're we're not getting a better Christ in the Lord's Supper, but we're getting him better for ourselves. We we're understanding visually and and also experiencing it in our um, taste buds. You know, Christ has done this. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say something that maybe you guys will disagree with, but I, I actually think those that have this view of God as as the God of the Old Testament is harsh and demanding, a God of wrath, a God that um, is all of these negative things, is actually a healthier view of God 
than the safe, docile God that has been so easily created right. in our culture today. That yeah. the one actually at least demands awe and reverence and uh, desire to say, I've got to come to peace with this God. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. other one doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? I, well, I mean, remember, Bambi God is of uh, of very little use. I think I can remember my dad talking about that. He, you know, he grew up in a Roman Catholic church. He had an awareness of God. You know, I mean, of who God was. You know, there that was something you would get even in the liturgical readings of the Scripture. You understood who he was. But he says, I never knew him as a personal savior. It wasn't until I actually heard the gospel for the first time that I could receive him as a savior. I knew I was accountable to him, and that was something I always tamped down and pushed off. But until I heard the good news that, that Jesus had uh-huh. reconciled me to God, that I needed that. Yeah, Jonathan, when, in one of our earlier shows, you mentioned uh, moralistic therapeutic deism. And it, mm-hmm. uh, that, that phrase or the, that, that trilogy of words was uh, coined by a, a sociologist named Christian Smith in, mm-hmm. in his study of the spirituality of American teenagers, but it also uh, uh, applies to many, 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 many adults, maybe most adults in our culture, that we've reduced God to this uh, a moralist who is concerned about right and wrong. God is a therapist who wants us to be happy, and God is a deistic God who is distant from us right. and is there if we really call upon him but really doesn't care too much about our day-to-day. Yeah. And and I, I guess I would I would – Number one, that that's a false god. That that's mm-hmm. an idol. That that god does not exist except in our imagination. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, the, the 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 test comes down to: Are you when when you as you speak of God, as you seek God, as, as you seek Christian to relate to God, are you relying on His Word or are you relying on your intuition mm-hmm. and bits and pieces that you've picked up along the way from the Lord knows where? Uh, trust only in the Word. Trust only in what the Word tells you about what who God is. Mm-hmm. Do not trust your intuition. Your intuition, well, as John Calvin said, the human heart is a factory of idols. Yeah. We just crank them out. Yeah. Amen. Well, this has been the Gospel for Life. We hope that you can tune in next time. Um, we'll see you later.